Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, this is the Saturday show, which means we are diving into Shonen Jump. This is our Shonen Jump Saturdays, and you know, I am really enjoying these books, or these mangas, should I say. Uh, Of course, uh, this being the Fanboy Comics Podcast, we all know we dive into basically the three apps that, you know, are available to us during this crazy time of the quarantine and, you know, I'm really enjoying these apps. Uh, I am not sponsored by any of these people. But I will say, if you can't afford it, Shonen Jump is only $2, $1.99, really. So, me personally, the way I do it is I actually attach that price of $1.99 each and every month to my phone bill through the Google Play Store. Now, of course, you can do it however you want to, whether it be, you know pay it outright on on credit card or you know debit card whatever me personally it is a little bit easier just to add it to my phone bill so that way I can pay for it once a month through my phone bill now I like I said I've been enjoying this very very much there is a ton of content on Shonen Jump now if you would like to sample it first download it I believe the first three of every series and the last three that are pre- like currently coming out Those are all free to preview and to read. Now, I will say something like a My Hero Academia, you will not want to like just stop at issue three and then jump all the way forward to what's going on now. You want to read this content. It is amazing. There are legitimate good stories within all of Shonen Jump. There's some stuff that I don't even know about yet. I'm trying to reach out to, you know, my my big brother. He's a huge... uh, What is it? I think Dr. Stone fan. I'm trying to see if that's going to probably be worth it. You know, once we get caught up with Dragon Ball Super, we're going to have to add something else because Dragon Ball Super comes out every month instead of every week, like, let's say, a My Hero Academia. So I'm trying to figure out some stuff to add, like, when we finally get caught up with everything. But I believe this week we're going to be talking about Dragon Ball Super Chapter 51, Then we're going to be talking about My Hero Academia chapters 148 to 152. And then we're going to be talking about Rurouni Kenshin chapters 4 through 6. I had fun with all of these. Now, I did want to go back to My Hero Academia, like the actual episodes in the anime, to kind of compare and stuff. Same thing with Rurouni Kenshin. But I just didn't have the time. I am currently recording, and it is 4 a.m. on Saturday, so I had to... 
I was actually watching a friend of mine, uh, I can't talk this late, but I am hyped up on a energy drink, so I'm kind of slurring my words, but hold on, let me take a breather. Okay, tried to do that, like, away from the mic, but anyway, I was watching, uh, my, one of my good friends stream, and it, you know, the time just went, you know, went way past me, and now I have to record because, of course, I want this to all to come out on time. And mainly because I want to just sit back and relax and read on Saturday and Sunday. Literally do nothing else. I know my wife will probably want me to do a chore here and there. But I just want to read on on Saturday and Sunday and then get some recording done on Monday. And then I have to go back to work on Tuesday. But let's go ahead and jump right into things with Chapter 51 of Dragon Ball Super. Maro and his army are scouring the galaxy to feed on the ripe energy of special planets throughout the galaxy. Meanwhile, Vegeta is still traveling to Yardrat, and Goku is curious about Miris' strength. Now, this chapter was complete filler. I will go ahead and say that. Uh, my first thoughts on reading this chapter was, meh, you know? Uh, not so, like, I feel like this is meh because of it being a filler. There is still very interesting plot points. Uh, like Miris. Now, we did see a little bit of this kind of building up to this point because Vegeta very much noticed that Miris has some sort of hidden strength uh, when they were like arresting the bandits when Goku and Vegeta first met up with the Galactic Patrol. Now, at this point, you know, it's been, I don't know whether a couple days, a week, whatever, and Maru and his gang of misfits, you know, like I said, they're scouring the galaxy for ripe energy or special energy that Maru can basically feed on. And during this time, the Galactic Patrol can't keep up with him. So Goku wants to train and he wants to learn what Miris can do. And Miris can keep up with Goku all the way up to at least Super Saiyan 3. Now, Goku attempts to go to his Super Saiyan God form, but the room that they are training in actually can't handle that much energy. So they have to stop training, otherwise Goku would blow a hole in the ship, and, you know, Saiyans can't survive in the vacuum of space. But it's still very interesting. It's very interesting to see Miris, and to know that there's somebody within the galaxy that technically, you know, the Tournament of Power has already ended, but to think that he could have possibly been in the Tournament of Power with these, you know, Z fighters at one point. And I wonder if it'll get to the point where he does train and actually fight alongside in a more serious manner. You know, recently when he does fight, he's more of like the distraction and he's not legitimately like trying to fight. So I would like to see that with Miris. Uh, and honestly with Jacko, you know, he is, he's like the comedic relief, you know, trying to impress this little Namekian, like, oh, I hold the record for this and that, and, you know, acting like he's big, bad and tough. And I honestly don't know, you know, anything about Jocko to be completely honest. Um, they haven't like, for me personally, I haven't really paid attention to him because he's kind of that comedic relief. And I personally, you know, think it's kind of silly. But, uh, you know, one of the big things uh, here is that Vegeta also is still traveling to Yardra. Now, they didn't actually have him get there yet. He arrives basically at the very end of this chapter. 
But the reason why he is going there, because the pilot of the ship that he stole basically asks him, what do you want to do there? And he said, oh, well, you know, he, the, the people on Yardra actually helped Goku train after the battle on planet Namek, and they taught him the instant transmission. And he, you know, went off to a separate room and basically just thought of himself as helpless, you know, and he doesn't want to feel like that because he is Vegeta. He, you know, he thinks of himself very proudfully and, you know, he, he is a stickler for his pride. And so this is something that is very personal to him. And I'm, I want to see it. I personally want to see him succeed in whatever he's trying to do. Because I know he has great potential. Like, he's already technically mastered Super Saiyan Blue. One big thing that tells the difference between Goku and Vegeta. Goku will keep breaking limits. He will keep going. While Vegeta, he trains to master each technique that he learns. He is a he is a soldier. He is a, you know, a proud Saiyan warrior. And so he will practice and, you know, be very disciplinary on himself to be that person you know to to master whatever he is learning and that is why he broke he finally like technically mastered blue and then went to blue evolution in the tournament of power but yeah that's basically it for uh dragon ball super this week just because it was a very fast read um we did see the bandits that you know goku and vegeta helped amiris capture it looks like they are actually trying to get the same kind of ore. I forgot what they call it, but uh, they think that there's more of it or a plethora of it on planet Earth. So they're going to go there. I'm sure like Gohan and Piccolo will deal with all them. So we'll probably get a side story of that, which I have no problem with because I haven't seen those characters in a while. Uh, so I wouldn't mind reading, you know, Piccolo or Yamcha or Tien or whatever. So I'm I'm looking forward to all this. It is like I said a filler, so you know it is what it is. But let's go ahead and move on to a very exciting few chapters of My Hero Academia. It's a race between time to find overhaul and save Eerie. Toga and Twice seem to have their own plan, and Lemillion confronts Overhaul on his own. And does he have what it takes to stop him, or is it the last of one of the big three? This, these few chapters, I will say, was the starting point of those big emotional moments for me whenever I saw this on the anime. Now, of course, for me, I was, you know, watching season four of the anime before I started reading this uh, manga, and then I just sped through like, like a whole month. I sped through all of this and, you know, rotted my brain basically for a, a few weeks until I got to the point where we are at now. And personally, um, it does it doesn't give me the exact amount of feels for those last two to three chapters with Lemillion, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I will say that Toga and Twice here are kind of pointless. They do have a little bit of a plan with Kinogiri, their uh, their boss basically, uh, with the League of Villains, and that will play out a little bit like in the future. So I know that they wanted to plant that seed here to tell that story. But as of right now in this, you know, few in these few chapters, they do seem to be a little bit of, you know, just like filler in this stuff. But, you know, they do play their part and, you know, we get just the craziness of the two of them 
which, you know, they are, you know, kind of, I, I love Twice because he is almost like a Deadpool-esque, and uh, Toga is very much a more psychotic Harley Quinn-esque character, uh, so I'm okay with those two to be uh, personally, uh, to you know, just to say, you know, I do enjoy the, those characters, but I would like to see them in a bigger capacity. But we do learn that Overhaul has some pretty, like, weird quirks surrounded by him. You know, his his right and left hands of the Yakuza, and just everybody who is in the gang with him. They have a pretty crazy, you know, list of quirks, you know, at their disposal. Uh, one of them being, I believe, uh, I forgot what his name is. I don't know if it's like, uh, 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 basically he's a truth serum. And he, he, or confession, that's what it is, his, his quirk is confession, and so he makes people tell the truth, which is pretty cool, uh, but basically, uh, Deku and the rest of the gang are able to stop the one guy who can manipulate the walls and everything, and basically has been making a maze for them, they're able to stop him, and it jumps to Lemillion, uh, confronting Overhaul. Now, uh, this, I will say, they went into a little bit more depth in the anime, because when they actually start the fight with Overhaul, uh, what ends up happening is, uh, basically, you know, Lemillion is really showing his compassion towards, you know, saving Eerie, and Overhaul is just disgusted at the thought of a hero, and how they think that their quirks are so much better than everybody else, and how... You know, they, they he has a very twisted sense of what reality is uh, whenever it comes to quirks because he wants to get rid of them. And, you know, they do have that serum that does uh, take away quirks. And the most heartbreaking part of this entire, you know, five chapters that I read this week was the fact that at one point, uh, Lemillion does... Uh, have to make the choice to go ahead and stop Overhaul right then and there, probably knock him out, or save Eerie uh, from getting shot with these, you know, this this gun that has this, you know, drug in it. And Lemillion jumps in front of her, and he takes the hit. And that's where the anime, you know, goes a little bit deeper with that fight, because in here, what ends up showing is that he does get shot, and then it shows, like, a few moments later, basically. But the reason, you know, one thing that I do want to say is, you know, overall, like I said, has this sick and twisted way of thinking about humanity and, and how he wants to get rid of quirks, and how he is willing to just destroy and mutilate this child to get what he wants. And that is heartbreaking, and Lemillion just doesn't, he, 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 he can't take it. So he is going to kick his ass. And he does get some really awesome licks in, uh, with, uh, fighting Overhaul. But eventually, like I said, he does get hit with that drug. And it actually shows that, you know, he doesn't have his quirk anymore. Lemillion is quirkless and he still fights as if he still had his quirk and he still fights like a hero and they really push the emotional button in the anime. Uh, just with the music, with the 
uh, dialogue, with just the compassion that you see Lemillion fighting with because he knows that a hero would do it regardless if he had a quirk or not. And Lemillion is beat up. He is stabbed several times because of the way Overhaul's quirk works. And, you know, he is willing to, like, you know, draw his last breath with this. And he goes in for another attack before anything could happen. Deku just breaks out of the wall, and that's where it stops. And this next fight, Deku versus Overhaul, is absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to have that uh, here on the episode. That's going to be so much fun. And there's actually a little bit of a tease here, a fall of a hero. And I'll leave it at that. You never know who it might be. But I am so ready to read this in the actual manga. Um, let's go ahead and move to uh, Rurouni Kenshin for uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6. Trouble always seems to find Cory and her dojo, but thankfully, Kenshin is always there in the nick of time. Yoshi has finally accepted to be Cory's student in hopes to be as strong as Kenshin, but the Rurouni himself has found himself in a battle that isn't easily won. I cannot talk tonight. I'm, I deeply apologize. A new enemy arrives, and he is not one to mess with. Uh, I noticed that I messed up a little bit in that synopsis, uh, saying himself like twice in the same sentence. That's going to bother me all night, but it is way too late to try to fix things. Anyway, uh, basically, uh, this first story I really, really enjoy in Chapter 4. Uh, basically, what ends up happening is some old student old students of Cory. Now, of course, this is her English dub name that I got from the anime, uh, just because there's some names that I honestly cannot pronounce, and I do apologize for any of those who were expecting me to attempt that. I do apologize. But uh, Cory has students run in, or old students run in, saying that, you know, there's these people, they were drunk, they were, you know, they started a fight, and then they tried to defend these people that they were starting a fight with, and now the whole gang is after them. And, you know, these people do bring the entire gang to the dojo, and both uh, Yoshi and Cory are ready to fight. You know, these are her old students, whatever. But Yoshi does notice and, and tells Cory, like, are you that dumb? Are you that stupid? Do you not see what's going on? Your old students are lying. Do you not smell the alcohol on their breath? They're the ones that started the fight. These people started the fight and they can't finish it, so they're asking you for help. And she was dumbfounded. She was like, are you serious? Like, is that true? And they said yes, and, you know, they're apologizing and all this stuff. And so she accepts it. She's like, you know, I taught these people how to wield you know, the, you know, because they don't have actual swords, it's like the sparring sticks, and she, she says to this gang, you know, take me, uh, these people, you know, they, I taught them, so they're my responsibility, and this gang is like, oh, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna kill all you guys, like, if you're gonna defend these people, we're gonna kill all of you, and that's basically it, and of course, like I said in the synopsis, uh, Rurouni always finds a way to come in at the last second, to kick some ass, and he does it in a very cool way, uh, you know, they, the, this gang does bring in a clay cannon, which is basically a, uh, I forgot how they, they, let's see here, what do they, because there's an explanation of it actually in here, it is a, 
Where is it? Ah, there it is. A wooden cannon, a simple cannon made of oak launching balls of clay. Its power was comparable to normal cannons. And, like, they shoot a cannon towards Kenshin, and he's able to cut it right in half uh, before it even hits him. Really badass art there. I love how they actually drew it. And he warns them, like, don't do this. You know, run away, do whatever. And they end up, they do end up running away. Uh, they are scared of him. And they actually, you know, talk to... Kenshin actually talks to the old students of Cory and says, Hey, you lied. You need to put down your swords and never fight again, basically. And Cory, of course, is very disappointed. And surprisingly, Yoshi... As thick has as thick headed as he has been recently, he tells Corey, "I can promise you that I won't be like that. Teach me. I understand that like I can't be as badass as Kenshin right now, but I want to get to that point. So please teach me." So you know, Corey has a new student, and I think that's really cool. Now the next two chapters do uh, introduce a very cool character to me personally. Uh, that is Zanza. Uh, he is just like a, like, he is, you know, every, I feel like every show has that one, like, cool kid badass. Uh, every anime anyway. And this is very much him. And you learn that he is some sort of, like, mercenary for hire. But in a weird way, he, like, he, he is basically the Boba Fett, kind of. He is not necessarily an assassin, uh, but he he basically sells fights. He he says, hey, if you want to fight me, you have to pay me, basically. And there's a moment where they all go to a restaurant, Kenshin, Yoshi, and Corey. And it's really cool because there's these, you know, politicians or like just... Uh, I, I, they're, they're, they're people who just love politics. And they're drunk and they're talking it up. They're being very loud. And at one moment... You actually see Kenshin, like, notice something. And then right before anything else happens, he gets hit by the by a, like, cup or whatever, bowl or whatever. Hits him right in the back of the head. And, you know, you know things get started to get riled up. You realize that it was those drunken people that, you know, threw it. And that's where Zanza comes in. He's like, hey, you know, you guys, I'm going to fight you. Because that is no way to treat this person. And you were roughing up this waitress. So I'm going to fight you. And he was able to take down the biggest guy. And then one of the little guys was about to pull out a sword. And Kenshin's like, you know, you talk really big for, for a politician. You need to put down your blade and walk away. And so they run away. And Zanza, you know, is really wanting to fight Kenshin. Like, just because of the... Uh, kind of bravado that Kenshin put while, you know, talking to that politician. And he's like, nah, I, I'm not really big of a fighter. I don't I don't really want to fight. And so Zanzo walks away. And at the end of this chapter, you learn that he is working with, or he is being hired by uh, uh, Gohi and Kihi, which were the villains of the very first chapter, pretending to be the Batosai, uh, they are still very much wanting to get Corey's property with the dojo and the land and all of that. And you learn that in chapter 6. 
and Zanza very much wants to fight Kenshin. So he actually goes and confronts him. It's like, hey, I'm going to fight you here and now. I found out as much as I could about you. You're the Bato side, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we're going to meet near the river because this is too small of a place to fight. And we're going to throw it down, basically. And we get to see Zanza's really badass, like, sword. And the really, really cool thing about all this, you know, like like I said before, when they were, you know, had that small little squabble in the city, uh, Zanza told Kenshin, like, you know, that was pretty impressive how you got hit on purpose because the bowl that hit him in the back of the head, if he would have dodged it, it would have hit Corey square in the face. So he realizes how strong and how powerful and how protective he is. And he wants to test all of that. And, you know, at this point, Kenshin and Corey do find out that, you know, the brothers that wanted, you know, Corey's property are involved. And so they're all following Kenshin and Zanza to the river to watch this fight. And right before the fight actually starts, or, well, no, they're... There's a little bit of a, of a tussle. Uh, it gets to the point where I think Kenshin gets one really big blow on Zanza. And, you know, they do point it out here. Basically, in every chapter before this, Kenshin has basically taken out everybody in one hit. And Zanza does not get taken out by that one hit. And they're realizing, oh, it's not his massive sword that makes him scary. It's not... You know, his ability to just, you know, be strong. It's his body is almost like basically indestructible uh, in the way of if of how Corey puts it. He's she says, uh, what she say uh, until now, Kenshin uh, has taken down every foe within one hit. Uh, that one hit won't work this time. And she says, uh, gosh, what is it? Uh, what does she say? It says, uh, freaking, what is it? Uh, oh, it says here, his real strength isn't the Zanbato, which is his sword. It's the, even, it isn't even the monstrous power. Uh, he didn't flinch when he got hit in the head. Uh, his strength is his inhuman toughness. So basically, he is a, like, comparable to, like, other superheroes or whatever, Basically, think of Luke Cage, like the bulletproof skin. He has just, like, basically toned himself to where he can take whatever hit you give him. And that's probably one of the coolest things that that I like about Sansa, just because he is basically a badass, and he acts like it, and he, you know, can back it up. And, you know, eventually, spoilers, uh, he does end up being friends to Kenshin, uh, because I, like I said, had watched the entire series of Aroni Kenshin back in the 90s. And I, I genuinely enjoyed it because of him. Uh, I love Kenshin. I love the, uh, what is it, the stoicness of these characters. Because, you know, you always learn something new about them. Uh, and, you know, it's it's just that cliche in anime, which I am totally fine with. Because it just is something that comes with that genre. I'm totally okay with it. I really do love the fact that uh, Yoshi did, you know, buckle down and say, hey, I am going to learn, you know, the basics and then become a badass. Uh, So he wants to learn the art of sword fighting. 
uh, to protect the ones he loves. And I absolutely love that. Uh, shows character development. He's not just some snotty-nosed brat that is going to try to get his way all the time. So yeah, that is that is the episode. You know, we are able to we are we have been keeping these episodes at about thirty to forty five minutes. So I'm really glad with that. But please, guys, uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it with whoever you think would enjoy. You know, uh, the show and jump Saturdays, the uh, Throwback Thursdays, and the Ultimate Fridays. You know, uh, we are hopefully getting some new books at the end of April or the beginning of May. Who knows? But, you know, until then, there will only be those three shows. And then when, once we do get new books from comic book publishers, of course, we will do that on the Wednesday show. But with that, guys, thank you so much again for listening. And you guys have a great day. You are saying,